the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Today's Gospel reading on the 10th Sunday of Matthew is, takes place within the, well, by happenstance, the lead-up. This happens just after the transfiguration. It is just after our Lord has told his disciples that we are journeying to Jerusalem for his crucifixion. This is what our Lord has told. This is what our Lord has shown his disciples. And our Lord has also given the disciples at this point the power to cast out demons, to heal the sick. He has given himself over to them in all of his power. Our Lord has given his power to his apostles and his disciples. So what a curious reading to then come to in the Gospel. All of the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, they have an account of this. And it's actually Mark's account, which we hear on, the Sunday, on a Sunday during Lent, that has a few more details. And those details are very relevant to understand what, in a sense, is going on here regarding the disciples' failure to reject this demon from this epileptic boy and what is going on with the father. So that element is what I want to focus on today. And that element is that we are a community that has effects on one another. We rely on one another. It is the faith of the community. It is the faith also of each person in that community that affects one another especially when we have parents or others in spiritual authority that perhaps lack faith in some measure. And we have that with this father. For the, in Mark's account, we see this whole extended dialogue between Christ and the father. And it's this man, is the same man, who has that famous quote that comes to our ears that perhaps you have not made the connection that it's the same person yet. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. It's that same father. But Christ has this whole dialogue in the Markan account with him to get him to come to that kernel. You could say that mustard seed of faith that the father now proclaims and then our Lord says, bring him to me. But here we see that Christ mostly addresses the crowd and then each person in turn, as is necessary to grow their faith or to teach them something that they were lacking. He addresses the Father. As we said, he brings him to say his proclamation of, Lord, help my unbelief. He addresses the disciples in their curiosity and perhaps trembling in fear that they have lost the grace that Christ had given them to cast out demons and to heal the sick. And he addresses the crowd with a rebuke, and a groan. How long am I to suffer with you? This perverse generation, our Lord cries out. But each of the words of our Lord is necessary. The rebuke applies to us all. The word to the disciples for how they were to go about casting out this demon is also for us, that this kind does not come out by prayer and fasting. The word to the Father is also to us. For when we read the Gospel, each 
element applies in some measure and in some way to our personal lives and to us as a community. Even if Christ was addressing the Father or if he was addressing the disciples or if he was addressing some particular person as we read the Gospel. But all of that applies to us. So, our Lord's rebuke and his groan. Why does Christ say this? Why is it that he says and calls them a perverse generation and then immediately begins to talk to the disciples about faith? Faith is the power over demons because faith is none other than trust in our Lord's power. Our Lord's power over the demons, over death, over every element of life, for he is the master and the creator of all. He says this rebuke and this groan because he knows that the burden of the law and sin's oppression are about to become nullified by his journey to the cross and by his resurrection. Yet it is these same people, this crowd, that will seek to continue in that pointless endeavor. So each party, we see through our Lord's words, must join themselves and desire healing from Christ to become part of what is eternal. First, that must take place, the desire to join, to have faith fulfilled in him for healing to take place. St. Hilary of Poitiers has this wonderful commentary that I want to share with you about our Lord's rebuke in that groan. He says this, The disciples are surprised that they could not throw out the demon. All power, not only of besting demons, but even of raising the dead, had been given to them. Furthermore, because the law was soon to be transcended, Jesus says, O faithless and perverse generation, how long am I to be with you? He does not seem to be saying this to those whom he has set apart, to his disciples. Those who did not have faith were going to lose the very law that they had. If they had this faith within them, that they would have been like the grain of mustard seed. By the power of the word, they would have thrown out this burden of sins and the heavy mass of their unbelief. They would have transferred it like a mountain into the sea, to the activity of the pagans and the secular people. So that faith that our Lord is talking about that can move mountains doesn't take much. It's that, Lord, help me to believe. That is the faith of the mustard seed that our Lord is seeking for and that he strove so hard in the, that we read in Mark for that man to cry out. So faith in and of Christ is the only everlasting thing that we can have. The law was passing. The pagan world was about to lose all in the tumult and the flood of Christians that were to come in from the Roman Empire of conversion. It was faith like a tiny mustard seed, a kind of faith that can cry out in prayer, Lord, help my unbelief. It is that mustard seed faith that can heal. So what is the another reason that our Lord cries out these words? St. Jerome says that it is our Lord longed to accomplish that work. He longed for his crucifixion. And so he is saying, I, how long do I need to tarry before I can accomplish this work and do all of these little signs before I can do the great sign of my crucifixion and of my resurrection? This is what our Lord is saying underneath those words. 
St. Jerome says that not, not that we must think that he was overcome by weariness of the crowd, and that the meek and gentle broke out into words of wrath, but as a, as a physician who might see a, a sick man acting against his injunctions would say, how long shall I frequent your chamber? How long throw, do you throw away the exercises of my skill while I prescribe one thing and you do another? That it is the sin and not the man whom Christ is angry with, and that it is in the person of this one man he convicts the Jews of their unbelief, and it is clear from what he adds, bring him to me, that he rebuked him, that is, not the sufferer, but the demon who possessed him. Or his reproof was also to build up the child for his sins that had seized on him because, because of his sins that the demon had seized him. So we see that our Lord has these two things that he is longing for to give. The particular of healing the single child who is possessed and that has, he throws himself into the water and into the fire. And that he longs for the great purpose of saving us by his crucifixion and his resurrection. But then our Lord adds this to the disciples, and again, this is for all of us. And he gives them the cure for which they could have built up that mustard seed of faith or perhaps planted that mustard seed of faith in them. And he says that this kind does not come out and is not overcome, if you will, but by prayer and by fasting. This is the wisdom, this is the cure, this is the teaching that he gives to his disciples so that they can grow their faith that was given to them and to grow that promise, the power bestowed upon them. So these things that Christ says are what the church sums up as ascesis, as our spiritual work, prayer and fasting. They are pillars of the spiritual life. Faith as a grain of mustard seed, it must be it's important that it's a mustard seed. For a mustard seed uh, needs to be somehow bruised, is what one father calls it, or it needs to be broken up a little bit to give what it has of itself to us, that mustard flavor, and even planted into the ground and covered with earth, and then the strong shoots of the mustard bush can grow forth. So the mustard seed is important because it needs some sort of suffering, if you will, whether hidden in the earth or broken up to give what it is. And that mustard seed is yet another way that our Christ is pointing toward prayer and fasting. It's a way to break up the hard places of our soul, prayer and fasting, so that God's grace can grow there. This is also a subtle reference to our Lord's passion that we must also voluntarily go with him toward so that we may be raised up with him when we have humbled our bodies through fasting and our souls are strengthened through prayer then faith grows and we honor god by these efforts and in a measure we overcome the demons in our life we overcome our passions of sin saint nikolai you've probably heard this quote before because i pulled it from when we read from St. John Climacus's day in Lent, but it's worth hearing again from St. Nikolai of Oded. Howbeit this kind goeth out not but by prayer and fasting. So how do, why does our Lord say this? Fasting and prayer are the two pillars of faith, two living fires 
that burn up the evil spirits. Through fasting, all bodily passions are calmed and destroyed, especially promiscuity. Through prayer, all other passions of soul, heart, and mind are calmed and destroyed. Evil intentions and evil deeds, revenge, envy, hatred, malice, pride, ambition, and the others. By fasting, the vessels of the body and the soul are cleansed of their filthy contents and worldly passions and vices. By prayer, the grace of the Holy Spirit is drawn down into the empty, cleaned vessel. And the fullness of faith consists in abiding of God's Spirit in man. The Orthodox Church has, from time immemorial, stressed fasting as a tried and tested method for all the physical passions and a powerful weapon against the evil spirits. All who underrate or reject fasting, in fact, underrate or reject a clear and decisive ordinance of our Lord Jesus that we've heard today in the scheme of man's salvation. Prayer is strengthened and extended by fasting. Faith is confirmed by one and the other. And faith also moves mountains, drives out devils, and makes the impossible possible. This is what St. Nikolai sums up so beautifully for us about the power of prayer and fasting and how they grow our faith. Our faith, which is the trust in our Lord, that we may be humbled by these things and that Christ may grow in us. It is by these things that we make and hear the Lord's words, bring him to me. And then that young boy is healed. My brothers and sisters, are you ready to give yourself to God wholly by prayer and fasting? That effort that will plant and grow that mustard seed of faith that is within you. That the strong branches may shoot up, and can you say like the father of the epileptic, Lord, help my unbelief. If we can do that, then nothing prevents this community and each of us from doing the impossible and becoming a holy people. A people wholly given over to God. So let us take up the humble tasks of fasting and prayer. And as we have the faith to bring our children, our friends, our loved ones to the presence of Christ, that we may be raised by and with our Lord Jesus Christ into the everlasting wholeness that he has for us. And that he desires and longs and groans, as we heard today, to bestow upon us. May each of us find faith strengthened by prayer and girded by fasting that trust our Lord Jesus Christ to see the seemingly impossible feat of our healing and salvation accomplished. Amen.